Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. Matthew, chapter 10. And we're going to begin at verse 16. And the lesson is, Jesus prepares the apostles for future challenges. Now, oftentimes when someone comes to know the Lord as their Savior, they misunderstand what that commitment means. Because they often think that, well, now all of my problems are over. (laughs) And that's just not so. And you know, oftentimes you'll hear some of those who preach and teach on the radio or maybe on television and other programs that all you have to do is come to know Jesus as your Savior and all of your problems will be solved. Well, from one perspective, that's true. But from another perspective, no. Actually, when you come to know Jesus as your Savior, your challenges have really just begun. Amen. And so Jesus, here in in this chapter and in the previous chapter, He commissions the disciples, the apostles especially, to to go out. And you'll recall that this commissioning was specifically to the twelve. To go out to the twelve tribes of Israel. And as he's preparing them, he also speaks of things that will happen in the future. Not just in the present, in their particular time, but also in the future. And you know, the scholars, or they debate back and forth on, was Jesus talking about the period of the tribulation here and things that uh, believers will experience because 
There will be people living during the tribulation. People will come to know the Lord during the tribulation time. Now, there are some who believe that the church will be taken out before the tribulation. There are some who believe the church will go through the tribulation and will be taken out after. But whether you believe that the church will be taken out or go through, there will still be people living upon the face of the earth, and there will be people coming to know the Lord as their Savior during the tribulation time. And we also know that the Lord is going to ordain 144,000 Jewish evangelists to preach the gospel during that period of time. But let's take a look here at verses 16 through 26. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now a brother will deliver a brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another, for assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher, and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be noticed. So Jesus begins here by explaining and sharing with the apostles some challenges that they're going to face, both presently and then in the future. So Jesus speaks both of their present ministry while he's with them, and then also things that they're going to experience post-resurrection, that is, after he has been crucified, dies, is buried, comes back to life on the third day, he spends 40 days with them, and then he ascends back to the Father. Because it's during that period of time that they experience most here of what we read here. So he says that he sends them out as sheep among wolves. Now in this same book, in, in the earlier chapter, chapter 7, verse 15, he referred to false prophets as ferocious wolves who attack the flock. And the apostles, the disciples, are not to be like that, but they are to be aware. Aware that there are those who seek 
to destroy. But when you think of a sheep, little innocent, right? Little innocent. And especially the little lambs, as cute as they can be, like this little young lady sitting back here. Innocent. Innocent. Humble. It says to be wise as serpents. When you think about a serpent, he's referring to the fact that serpents are very alert. You're not going to sneak up on a snake. <laughs> you know, a rabbit. I remember once I was out here long ago, you know, back when Lake Mead had lots of water and lots of fish, fishing out there, and I was walking. We we'd finished fishing, and we were walking back to, uh, to the truck, and off in the distance, I heard that, that sound. Oh, boy, I tell you, I didn't waste any time getting to that truck. <laughs> the apostles are to be alert, aware of their surroundings, not to be like a pig, a hog, you know, a swine, just laying in the, in the muck, unaware, the farmer can come right on up and boom. We're to be alert, sharp and alert, harmless as doves. Now the word that's used actually in the Greek for harmless means unmixed. That's really the term. Or in other words, pure. Pure. Innocent. Pure. Their goal is to share the truth, the pure truth of God's holy word, that people come to know him and honor God. And he goes on, and he says, beware of men. That is, don't be naive. Be mindful. Be mindful of the human heart. He says they're going to be harassed, they're going to be arrested, they're going to be taken into custody. Now they were harassed from time to time while they were with Jesus. You'll recall that on one occasion they were going through the, uh, the wheat fields and they were hungry. So they started you know, breaking off pieces of grain and, and eating. And you know those Pharisees were always about, weren't they? They, they were always there just watching and waiting for an opportunity to pounce on him. And he said, well, why are they, the Pharisees said to him, to, to the Lord Jesus, why do your disciples eat? They break the law by not washing their hands before they eat. You remember what Jesus said, what his response was? Basically, everything that you eat goes in and it, and it comes out, right? He said, what goes in doesn't defile you. Ah, but what comes out of the, out of the, out of the mouth comes from the heart. It's the heart and the thoughts of the heart. But let's turn over to the book of Acts. Hold your place here, but let's turn to the book of, book of Acts, chapter 4. Acts, chapter 4. And beginning at verse 1. Now as they spoke to the people, this is 
the above. As they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, notice, what did, what did Jesus, what did we just read? He said, it's not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father, God the Holy Spirit, who will speak. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against him. But when they had commanded them to go, to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But, so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And so we have an event in the lives of the apostles who are they're harassed, they're threatened, you know, they're taken into custody. And for what? For preaching the gospel and for healing a man by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Now let's continue. Let's continue. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. And for the sake of, of time here, begin at verse 17. 
Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and talked. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has highly exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit by whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Judas rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called the apostles, and notice this, and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You see, the very thing that Jesus told them they would experience, they experienced. The very thing that he said would occur, occurred. The very events that he described occurred. And those are just a, a few. Because events like these have been occurring throughout the last 20 centuries. 
those who serve the Lord, and even in this day, you may or may not know, but every year, more than 100,000 Christians are killed, murdered, martyred around the world for their faith. You won't hear them on the news because that doesn't fit, you know, into their agenda. But around the world, every year, more than 100,000, and the number continues to go up. Yes, he says, beware. You're going to be harassed, arrested, taken into custody, beaten, interrogated, threatened by authorities. But then he goes on and he says, don't worry. And the word in the Greek actually in, in English is, don't be anxious. You know, don't be filled with, with anxiety. Now, it's only natural when you're, you know, you're I, would, I would assume, you know, being arrested and, and you know, moved about and chained, etc., you're going to have a few anxieties, okay? That's, uh, that's only human. But notice that Jesus... Jesus promises them something as we look at the, at the next section here. He says it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to witness. He says as a testimony to both those rulers and to the Gentiles. That's why we know that he's also speaking of the future because he told them to not go into the, right, into the cities of the Gentiles. Last week we looked at that to only go to the, the 12 tribes of Israel. But at the end of the book of Matthew, he says to go into all the world. That includes the Gentiles as well. But he says this too. Third point. You will be hated. Now when was the last time? Or when you came to know Christ as Savior? Did the person who shared Christ with you say anything at all like this? Did they say that God loves you, but the unbeliever is going to hate you? Now, some of you may have been told that. But notice what Jesus says. He says, you will be hated. And it says, by all men. Really, the, 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 uh, the meaning there is by all kinds of people. By all kinds, that is, by all classifications of people, you're going to be hated. And why? Because of the name of Jesus. You know, you can talk about religion with people, right? Oh, they'll talk with you about religion. All kinds of religion and all kinds of religious talk. But as soon as you mention the name of Jesus, oh my goodness, that's when things really change. <laughs> that's when things really change when you mention the name of Jesus because wherever you go in the world and I, I think I've mentioned this uh, to you before wherever you go in the world in whatever language people speak tragically they take the name of the Lord in vain they take the name of the Lord Jesus in vain but you never hear them saying something like, Oh, Buddha, Dad. Do you? 
Oh, Muhammad then. No. Right? You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Or you don't hear, oh, how are you, Christian? No. But you'll hear people take the name of Jesus, right? Jesus Christ, that blessed name, and they use it as an exclamation. And if you do that, shame on you. Don't do it. You're taking the Lord's name in vain. In vain. To take the Lord's name in vain is to use it in a worthless, disrespectful manner. But he says, for my name's sake, you will be hated by all kinds of people. The name represents the person. It represents who he is and what he stands for. His standard of morality, of right and wrong. And when you stand up for Jesus, you will be hated. But he says, endure persecution. He says, and those who endure to the end will be saved. Now, scholars again go back and forth and back and forth because of the, the word that's used here. It's a, it's a different word than, the, than uh, this other word that's used throughout the New Testament that refers specifically to salvation. Because the word that's used here in the Greek can refer to salvation, and sometimes it does, but it can also refer to be delivered or be protected. What is he saying? He's saying, don't worry, because God your Father is with you. And whether you die, well, what happens to the Christian when he or she dies? We go to be with the Lord. Right? Amen? Amen. But you may also be delivered. Now, what happened to Peter and John when they were in prison? We just read it. What happened to them? They were delivered. They were saved, were they not? The angel came and took them right out, miraculously. And then they continued preaching. You notice, they did not compromise. They didn't compromise at all. They were told, you will not preach in this name. You will not teach this name. They said, well, well you judge. Shall we listen to you or listen to God? So I was called into the, uh, my supervisor's office over at the university because I had to answer um, a complaint that was made because of the class that I was teaching, which was a, a comparative religions class, talking about the standards of Judaism and Christianity regarding marriage. And somebody was upset. <laughs> right? They were upset because Judaism and Christianity teaches that marriage is between a man and a woman. I said, well, did you say this? Yes, I did. I said, so do you, you, do you want me to tell the truth or do you want me to lie? Oh, oh, oh no, no, we don't want you to lie. <laughs> well then, what's the problem? You see? Endure persecution because you'll be delivered. Continue serving. Now, notice what Jesus says. Move on when you need to. In other words, you shouldn't seek out persecution. You follow? And if you have the ability to move on, then, then move on. 
The farmer knows that he has to prepare that soil, does he not? Some soils just will not yield a crop. But he says, move on. They persecute you here and you're able to leave, then leave, go on. Because the goal is to share the message where people will receive it. Then he says, to follow the Lord's example. Now notice, verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It's enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. And understand that if they call the master of the house Beelzebub, that was a, um, another name for Satan or false gods, that's what they're calling Jesus. They said, well, he does his miracles by the power of Satan, which is blasphemy. He said, now, if they, if they said that about me, that is about Jesus, then don't be surprised when they start calling you names. Have you ever been called a name? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they think we're crazy. They think we're looney tunes. They actually think that we're backwards backward. And here's the amazing thing. Now, I don't know if I mentioned this to you last week or not, but I'm reading this book. Uh, Brother Jerry and Miss Darlene gave it to me uh, to read. Fascinating book. Is Atheism Dead? I would encourage every one of you to read that book. Don't be, you know, uh, confused by the title. In this book, and the author is Eric Metaxas, he goes through meticulously outlining the various discoveries of science. Did you know that most scientists now, the majority of scientists now, do not accept Darwin's theory of evolution? You probably hadn't heard of it. Any scientist of any note agrees that what Darwin described is not possible. You would think that they'd be publishing that, right? Making it widely known. And that actually, the scientific community has come to the realization that the more and more that they discover, there is a mountain of evidence pointing to the creation of all that is in existence. Those who are honest will admit that that is true. Those who are dishonest, the atheists, refuse to acknowledge it. Even what's his name, Richard uh, Dawkins, I believe. Dawkins or Hawkins? Um, before he died, he said, yes, we must admit that the likelihood that all of this happened by random chance is just not tempting. But then he went on to say, but I, I rather think that aliens from another universe came. <laughs> because they can't bring themselves to admit that life was created by the creator God. There is no other. Amen. We're to follow the Lord's example and realize that they're going to call us questions. 
or call us, call us names, I should say. Well, what do we learn from this passage? When you're mistreated for being a Christian, glorify God in your speech and behavior. A Christian should never act like an unbeliever. There's no justification for that. When you're mistreated, realize you're being mistreated for the cause of Christ and view it as an opportunity to witness. What did the disciples do? Did they start fighting back and everything? No. But they continued to speak, didn't they? They continued to speak. Now, and let me quickly point this out, because there are some who mis they misapply and misquote this. When Jesus told them not to worry about what they were going to say, there are some lazy you know, preachers and pastors out there, they say, see, I don't have to prepare my sermons in advance. Now, this has nothing to do with, with the delivery of sermons. This has to do when you're, when you're taken into custody and you're put on the spot. I'll tell you this quick story. Uh, J. Vernon McGee told this in his, in one of his writings. He said when they were back in seminary, you know, they would get to travel and go and preach in different places, and there were three of them. And two of them, they would, they would prepare their sermons. One guy said, oh, no, no, I don't. You know, soon, when I stand up, the Holy Spirit gives me what I'm supposed to say. So they went to hear him preach, you know. And he preached, et cetera, et cetera. And so after church, they were on their way back to the seminary, riding in the car. And the one, said, uh, one guy said to him, said, so uh, did you prepare that message? The guy said, no, no. You know, the Holy Spirit gave it to me. The other guy said, I wouldn't blame that message on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they said it was the most pitiful thing they'd ever heard. But when you're mistreated for being a Christian, glorify God in your speech and behavior. When you're questioned for being a Christian, remember that God is with you, within you. God the Holy Spirit lives within you. And he empowers you. And instead of worrying, be encouraged. We studied about Elijah, right? Everyone gets discouraged. To say you never get discouraged, that would be a lie. We all get discouraged from time to time. But we need to be rem re reminded, God lives within us. God loves us. God knows our name. He knows our address. He knows our telephone number. He knows everything about us. And as we get further in this chapter, we're going to see he knows every hair that's on our head. I have few of them these days. <laughs> when you're threatened for being a Christian, do not be fearful. Why? God will deliver. He may choose to deliver to take you home, or he may deliver you physically right here. And lastly, live your life in the power of God the Holy Spirit to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And before I close, I want to read something. You might find this quite interesting. It's, it's written like a prayer. Lord Jesus, because of your death on the cross for our sins and our faith in you as our Lord and Savior, we no longer face spiritual death. We humbly ask you to heal the sick within our church and to open the eyes and the ears to worldwide non-believers and also to our brothers and sisters who are lukewarm Christians. In America, nine out of ten Christian households have a Bible. However, only 43% 
have read a few sentences from the Bible. Only 15% have read about half of the Bible. 12% have read almost all of the Bible, just 12%. 20% have read a combination of all of the Bible or more than once. And 10% of Christians in America have never read the Bible at all. Stop for a moment. Really contemplate that. Lastly, from what is occurring worldwide and especially within our country, we Christians are aware that we are in the end times. Nikita Khrushchev, former president of the Soviet Union, may possibly be correct in his 1950s speech, or in his 1950s speeches, where he stated, our country, the USA, would eventually be destroyed, not by a major war from a foreign power, but from within. If this prediction is correct, it is because we are seeing God's moral values being degraded by legalism, abominable sins, and our population being <coughs> resolved by believing in fake news. In our younger years, it was called propaganda. We therefore humbly ask you, Lord, for a Christian revival in our country. We say this in your name, our Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. It's the Lord's invitation to you. Maybe you come to accept Jesus as Savior. Maybe you'll come to follow him in believer's baptism. Or maybe you'll come to join the church officials. As we sing, you come. Don't wait for the song to be over. You come as the Lord leads you today. Let's stand, please. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.